0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Recoil Live, presented by FN. I'm your host, Tom Marshall, and with me today is Steve Talischeck. Close enough. Right. All right, dead on. So, those of you who don't know Steve, he is the owner of Mad Pig Customs. And if you don't know what Mad Pig Customs is, you've got about the next forty-five minutes or so while we're talking to fix your life and/or get educated. Uh, but, uh, Mad Pig Customs is a, is a specialty gunsmith shop that we are going to talk a lot more about what they do in just a second, but why don't we start out, Steve, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, your professional background, what got you into shooting, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Sure. Uh, hi, Tom. Thanks for having me on. So, uh, I'm Steve Talischek. I am the owner and operator of Mad Pig Customs. Uh, we're a custom gun shop that deals with, uh, we specialize in Marlin and Henry custom gunsmithing. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the details of that in a bit, I guess. But uh, I, kinda, I got into shooting. I was raised with guns. Um, you know, My dad is a military collector. I grew up going to like Revolutionary War and Civil War reenactments. Um, my dad was in the movie Gettysburg. Like, It was just, it was just something I grew up with. Um, and then when I was uh, probably around 12 or so, I started doing a uh, competitive small bore shooting. Um, and it was fun for like the first year, but when you're like 12 years old, that gets real boring <laughs> real fast. <laughs> um, so I did that for a few years. Uh, a family friend who was involved in that club would take me and we would go to places like I I'm from Connecticut. So we would go to, and this was in Southern Connecticut near the New York border. So we'd end up at West point and other places like that. And, uh, You know, every Friday I would go and we'd go to the range and it was, you know, one round at a time and it got real boring, real fast. (laughs) Um, Great way to learn, but I just, I kind of got over it. Um, So I stopped doing that when I was in my mid-teens. I ended up going to college. I went to a senior military college and started doing Army ROTC and I got my first exposure to the M16. And I was like, well, this is cool. I want one of these. So I uh, went on, I don't I don't even know what ever ever happened to them. Model one sales. You remember them?
0: I do. I actually'm pretty sure they're still around.
1: Although it's not really? a
0: name I've heard in many moons.
1: Right? Yeah. So uh, being Connecticut, there's all sorts of manufacturers here. So I ordered a model one sales kit for an AR. This is back during the ban. And uh, I, there was a local gun, uh, gun store that had a local manufacturer that was just starting out named stag arms. So I had like a two digit serial number stag lower. Uh, and that was my first AR. Um, and I was like, well, this is cool. So, you know, I was young and broke. (laughs) So I, it just kind of got worse from there. Um, since then, I've been in the Army for 16 years. I'm a senior NCO in the Connecticut Army National Guard. Um, that is my full-time job. Mad Pig is my side business. Uh, I work for the Counter Drug Task Force for the Connecticut National Guard full-time. And uh, then on my traditional guard side, I'm an operations MCO for a military police company. So I have a lot of things going on. I got a wife and two kids. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of competing interests there. <laughs> um
0: that's all right you don't need free time it's
1: a myth (laughs) I don't even know what that is anymore (laughs) um yeah free time and then between a three-year-old and an eight-year-old I don't even remember what sleep is either but you know we'll get there one day um but yeah so uh that's that's kind of my background so uh so I got I, to I
0: gotta circle sort of back on something here real quick. You, you very casually mentioned that your dad was in the movie Gettysburg. Like, let's, yeah. let's talk about that for a second. Is there like a backstory oh, there? Uh,
1: no, I mean, he was, uh, uh, so my dad was into like reenacting. And uh, like, he was really into reenacting and has an incredible collection of firearms, which is not just firearms, but mostly uniforms and helmets and stuff like that. That's what I grew up with. Like I grew up with a shattered G43, a German G43. Like it was held together (laughs) with a canvas strap um, because it was, God, what happened? It had a slam fire. Like in the seventies, my dad and his friend were out shooting and it had a slam fire and it kaboomed. Um, And so it was, it just became a wall hanger. Uh, like
0: your, was that your first toy gun? Was this 43 no, it was, it just, just like taped together? It,
1: it, it just, it was like, I don't know. It was just like up in my room. Like there were no parts left in it. It was just the empty receiver and stuff um, and the barrel, but the shattered stock that was held together with a uh, a canvas army uh, tie-down strap. Um, but like my dad's really into, like he collects G43s, uh, rising submachine guns, Johnson rifles, stuff like that. And so that's, kind of where that's kind of where I came from with it but he was a collector not so much a shooter um, and uh, I am more of a shooter than a collector so we round each other out pretty well I take my dad to the range now <laughs> that's awesome so
0: so from there uh, how did you get your start with Mad Pig and furthermore why lever guns? <laughs>
1: So Pig started uh, because well, I got home from Afghanistan in like 2010, and, or 2011, actually. Um, and I needed to find a job, so I ended up as a consultant. So I was doing emergency management consulting, and it gave me a lot of free time during the day. So I saw an ad on like Facebook or something from a local powder coat shop that was looking for someone to spray Cerakote. Uh, I had never sprayed Cerakote. I, I sprayed Duracoat. I had a background building like plastic model tanks and stuff like that. So I could use an airbrush really well. I knew how to paint. So I was like, well, this could be something fun to do. So I went and talked to them. Turned out they were doing the OEM coating for Kinetic Development um, who are still good friends of mine. And I ended up doing the Cerakote for them for many years. But uh, I went there and once, I mean, he was a, he was a powder coater, the uh, owner of that business who became my first partner. Um, and it was fun, but he didn't know about guns. He was into them, but he didn't have the background like I did. So together we started thinking, well, we can do more with that. So we started doing like just, just Cerakote. Um, you know, I would do the gunsmithing the disassembly, reassembly, that kind of stuff and, you know, spray it. And eventually, um, you know, he moved on. And so, uh, we had a, I have a good friend, Phil, uh, Phil Laroca, who is a gunsmith here in Connecticut, who is really into Marlin rifles. And Phil gets a lot of the credit for this. Phil still works with us at Mad Pick, and uh, Phil would just build these guns for himself, and he does an incredible job on it. Like I remember him, I think one of the first things he did was like he cut down a Marlin and like a thirty thirty or a 30, no, a 35 Remington Marlin 336. And uh, he threaded it so that he could use his Thunder Beast can on it. Um, and that's before people were really doing that for the most part. So we started doing that. And then I would code it for him and give it back. He'd put it together. And that was his gun. <clears throat> Somewhere along the way, like we posted pictures of it and it got puck. So we were like, all right, well, let's start offering these services. <clears throat> so phil being the awesome dude that he is started teaching me how to do things and uh the ins and outs of the marlin rifle um and then i started figuring it out on my own and to this day i call phil hey what did i break or how do, how do i do this why is this doing that and we figure it out together you know or he tells me i'm stupid and he just fixes it um the old life line that, yeah yeah no it's i mean it's one of those funny things like we were in elementary school together and didn't realize it because he was a couple years behind me um but uh so anyways that's kind of how we started doing the the marlin thing and then it really took off when uh midwest industries i think they get the lion's share of the credit to be honest with you because when they came out with their handguard, like this changed everything because now it was more than just you know, someone bubbling of, yeah, you know, like a, I call it the Mossberg four six four test. Sorry, Mossberg you made a really ugly rifle. It is what it is. I have one. I wish I didn't, but um, it that's kind of my metric, right? I'm trying to make something that's functional, but still kind of looks the piece, you know? Um, and the the Mossberg did a good job in being functional. But, man, it was a bit much. So when Midwest Industries came out with their m handguard, that was kind of like the final piece to the puzzle, right? Because you already had excess sights with their optic rails. You already had, you know, people were threading them and stuff like that. But it allowed us to make a more functional rifle out of a classic design. Um, and that was <laughs> that was a challenge at first. Um, it was not super well received <laughs> by a lot of people um, but that's changed a lot over the years so that that's kind of how we started it, and then I mean a lot of the credit also has to go to you know the exposure we got from Chris Costa when we did that video for him or when he did that video for uh, the gun we built him I mean that kind of it put him in a stage that they hadn't really been before. It gave these guns a level of exposure that most people didn't even know, like they didn't know this really existed. And it, they didn't know that you could kind of make a, more of an effective weapon system out of, you know, grandpa's deer gun.
0: Well, we're gonna we're gonna touch on, on the Costa project here in just a second, but first <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to get your, your input here on, uh, so Mad Pig's been around for a little while. Um, In in that time, what kind of changes have you seen? You beat me to the punch a little bit on this, but what kind of changes have you seen, um, A, in the number of people who are interested in in custom lever guns, tactical or otherwise, and what kind of upgrades and modifications and changes are being requested now that maybe weren't as common or didn't exist at all when you got started?
1: Sure. So um, I'll start off with this, right? The lever gun game is small. There's only so many companies that are involved in it, right? Um, when I came into it, there was only a couple of them. Because kind of gone are the days when you're, there really isn't like a friendly neighborhood gunsmith anymore. Like, they're, well, I don't know how friendly they ever were, but like, you know, the old timey gunsmith shop where you walk in and, you know, things like cigarettes and like, you know, hoppies and linseed oil. That's kind of not a thing anymore. Those guys have retired or died. (laughs) And so the number of people that know how to work on these guns is different. You know, I think gunsmiths have changed in their perspectives and the things that, I mean, the market's changed, you know, you probably going to make a lot more money working on ARs and other stuff than you are on a Marlin. That's just where the market is. So guys who specialize in the kind of stuff like we do are few and far between. So it's kind of a niche club in the first place. Um, You know, guys like Lee Hadaway from the arms room in Colorado does beautiful work, you know, Jeremy West and, you know, Wild West Guns, you know, those are all guys who have been around doing this forever. And they're the guys I call when we can't figure something out or like we work together. So it's a close knit group. And what's happened over the years is the companies that make these parts and stuff like that, like, um, you know, Midwest Industries, you know, those guys are awesome. And they're good friends of ours. We work very closely with them. Hoptic USA, you know, um, XS sites, you know, Marlin itself, Henry, uh, Chisel Machining, like it's a small club, if you will. And because of that, we all try to get, get along to try to kind of push out things that make sense because the market has changed. And honestly, the market did things that we didn't really expect. So, there's a couple of things that I think changed the lever gun market. Um, when I first started, Marlin was owned by Remington and it was still a thing. Well, then they went out of business. Um, when that happened, like I was getting originally, I wasn't getting a lot of like, we thought we were going to get like a bunch of 3030s, like dad's old deer guns, because I think Marlin made somewhere around 6 million of them before Remington took over. That's a big pool of guns to draw from, right? And they were cheap. You could find them anywhere for like $200 to $500. And $500, you're overpaying back then. Well, what I found was that we were getting guys who would buy a brand new gun, typically a 4570 Marlin 1895, and they would send it to us to build up into the thumper. We didn't even really see many thirty thirties until Marlin went out of business and the pool just dried up. So that's where we started getting like, you know, the factory 336s coming in for 3030s. Uh but for the most part that kind of that dried up as well after uh after Henry kind of upped their game with uh with production and now Marlin's back in business under Ruger. And now we're back to getting 1895, 4570s and 1894 38s again. So there was a couple of artificial things that really affected the market. And that was one of them. Um, So there was that. um, And that was something that was very, I don't wanna say confusing, but it was surprising. Cause like we expected to get those older guns and we just didn't, you never really have. Did you expect to be doing more like refurb type stuff than you were expecting to do actual customization? Uh, kind of right like we thought we were going to get guys who were going to send us their 300 dollar deer gun and then we would put a bunch of work and parts into it and make it better um they didn't instead we got guys who never had a deer gun they never went hunting right like they or they were guides who were doing like pig hunts or they just had an 1895 because they were guides in Alaska we get a lot of them um and they wanted something functional like our, our customer base comes from all over the place, but what we found was they either owned one lever action rifle or none, for the most part. Uh, I mean, sure. I have a few customers that own multiples and we've done multiple guns for multiple people, but for the most part, it was guys who like, they're like, Hey, this is my first lever action rifle. What you do is really cool. And I won't because it's different. So, I mean, that was, and that seems to have been pretty consistent, um, you know, one of the things that we've seen, you know, we we live in a world now controlled by analytics, right? We look at social media analytics and things like that. There's so much data out there to see what makes sense and what people like. And I don't think I'd be doing a very good job in business if I didn't look at that too. And I think you and I have talked about this in the past, like when our guns are up on pretty much anybody's page, the numbers go really high. And it's it's an interesting thing. And I I don't really know why. I mean, I like to think it's because we do something really cool, but in the end, I think it's just different, you know? Like everybody's seen ARs, but like, you know, this doesn't really this really doesn't do much for people anymore because they've seen a million of them. Right. But now you take a Marlin 1895 and you do some cool stuff with it, and this gets people's attention. So um I think that has a lot to do with it. I don't know if the market's saturated or what, but it strikes a chord in the gun-owning public,
0: you know? Yeah, uh, you know, that's funny. That you mentioned the thing about the, the number spike and, and analytics and all that. Uh, we did a review when Marlin launched the uh, 336 Dark series uh, a few years back. We did an article on that, and uh, ever ever since that article did really well when we first published it and then every once in a while we'll kind of recycle it for social media just to sort of because lever like you said lever guns are getting popular and uh every time we recycle it same thing it it gets a it gets a nice bounce um like you said people just uh you know it's it strikes a chord and i don't know if it's an emotional chord in the sense of you know uh people growing up you know, with their dad or their uncle or their big brother having lever guns. I don't know if, uh, I remember the when the, uh, when Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 came yeah. out, the 1895 was an option in the game. I don't know if that sort of put it in the fourth, you know, it kind of like made people realize that's a thing that exists, particularly kind of the, the, you know, video game section of, of the gun community. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know. Of the, Can of the I just tell place. you, how disappointed I was that they didn't rip off one of my guns to do that <laughs> that would have been cool they did for another gun uh for another game I think it was uh Tarkov or something like that yeah Tarkov. uh,
0: there's Tarkov's got some they they actually do a really good <laughs> some job wild stuff 80s. yeah of taking some stuff that that came from the real market and and push into the game usually kind of goes the other way around guys see a gun in a video game and then they go get it yeah. or they they clone it or rebuild it or whatever but yeah tarkov kind of kind of goes the other way uh but yeah, yeah. uh yeah well, I, like i said i remember the 1895 in, in modern warfare 2 uh and now modern warfare 2 2 is coming out or whatever they're going to reboot since they kind of rebooted it yeah uh two years ago now now there's going to be another modern warfare 2 i I'm going to be anxiously waiting to see if they bring back uh, the 1895, and hopefully it's hopefully it's a little more decked out. Hopefully they do rip off one of your guns for it. That'd be awesome.
1: I uh, hope so. I'll tell you, though, I was terrible with it in the game. <laughs> I wanted it to be so much better, but I was
0: bad. Well, it's, you know, it's up there. It's up there. We're trying to run a pump-action shotgun in a video game. You know, everybody... Yeah, yeah, they're they're super overpowered, but then ammo management, just like in real life, becomes a thing, and it becomes a thing very, very, very yeah. quickly. Yep. So, all right. So, uh, talking about you know, still in that same vein of customizations, let's let's talk about the the, the Costa project, right? Uh, what I, I guess now is kind of become the thumper. Uh, how did that start?
1: Uh, so it started. Uh how did that start? Um, so that was the guys from Midwest industries called me and they said like, hey, we want to do something with, uh, you know, cause I'd met them at shot show, you know, it's Troy and Pete, they're super great guys. And, um, they called me one day and said, Hey, you know, we're, we're working with Chris Costa. Um, you know, you built, cause I built a gun for Troy, the owner at Midwest. And he's like, I, he really liked what I did. And he's like, I want you to do something like that for Chris. And I said, well, okay, sure. So I did. Um, and, you know, it it was something we had been starting to do, but man, I was not prepared for the level at which that took off. Because, <laughs> um, like, the, the impetus behind the thumper, I mean, it, there's kind of a method to our madness here, right? Like, the goal behind these guns is, It's not just something that looks cool, right? Like, I mean, I think it does, but we wanted to build guns with a purpose. And the 4570 cartridge, and I know all the Ruger Mark I guys are going to be like, no, we can shoot it out to 500 yards. Yeah, cool. You're not going to do that with this gun. Not well, right? That's just not what it's for, all right? It's a purpose-driven gun, which is I want to build a brush gun. That's good for 150 and under, right? It's light, it's portable. And I wanna take some of the modern accoutrements that are like, you know, force multipliers to this weapon system here that just we didn't have before. So simple things like a hand stop. So, like every gun I build has a slate, slate black industries hand stop and some rail panels. And the reason on that is because it allows me to keep the rifle shouldered, right? and work the lever. I don't have to go off target. You know, I just don't. It doesn't do that. So um, that's been a big thing. Um, Having a, uh, what else? So the handguard, right? The handguard allows us to put flashlights. uh, You can put IR lasers and stuff on here. We kind of, I'll touch on the IR laser side of it later, but uh, optics, right? Putting Small red dot optics on here, like the Hollow Sun 507 series is really popular. Um, We've broken other optics. These just kind of keep chugging along. So use what works. Um, We throw a new trigger in here. So the Wild West guns trigger on a Marlin, on a Henry, we do a trigger job that brings it down to about three and a half pounds. We polish up the action, we dress the hammer, we dress the bolt, right? We do all these things so that your action is nice and buttery smooth. Um, yeah, we do all sorts of stuff on these. The Cerakote is not just a, uh, not just for looks. Um, it really helps a lot with the corrosion protection. I've gotten so many guns in over the years that, that have just sat in a barn. And, you know, I don't expect that somebody that spends the kind of money that we charge on these is going to lay it in a barn. Um, but we fixed a lot that have. And it lets you take it out into the woods and you can use it, you know? So um, having extra ammo on the gun, you know, that way you can pull from the optic quivers here. You, got, you can have two rounds up front, you got six in the back on the chisel stock. The chisel stock gives you the ability to have your, your cheek weld a little bit higher if you're gonna use something with variable power or a fixed power optic. Uh, and then the biggest thing is we cut the barrel down and cutting the barrel down on a lever gun is very very different than doing it on like an ar or a bolt gun the reason being is there's a lot of stuff going on and so like this this is this is the new uh ruger made marlin 1895 sbl so these come pre-threaded which we'll talk about a little bit later because i think that's fantastic but there's a dovetail cut right here there's a dovetail cut right under this handguard cap. Um the sights are drilled and, t- and tapped right here. So if I want to move this around and I want to shorten this down, we have to move these dovetails, we have to relocate the sights, which means lining up the sights cuz then if I send you back a gun with crooked sights, you're going to be pretty upset rightfully so. There's a lot that goes into it. Uh shortening the magazine shortening the magazine tube, right? That needs to be done too which means then we need to redrill the holes for that, which are two different sizes. This is bigger than that side. Like, It's all little things that just add up and take time. And what I found is that a lot of the guys that do a lot of barrel work, they want no part of it. Um, They start off and they're like, oh, I can charge a bunch of money for this because it takes a bunch of time. And then eventually they realize that the amount of time it takes to do one lever action, short job, they could have done four or five ARs or bolt guns, where all they're doing is cutting and turning threads. It's just not efficient. Um, You know, that's one of the reasons we don't really do a lot of like single job, like a la carte type stuff. Like, hey, I just want to cut and thread it. Well, it's a lot of time to do that, right? I'd rather kind of focus on doing an overall package. And that's just, again, I have like four jobs. So that's a choice that I make. So there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, you know, the Henrys are very similar, like this one here. Um, we actually do do traditional-style rifles. Uh, this one is mine. Um, we cut this down to 16 inches. We crowned it with this giant octagonally crowned barrel here. I put a rear sight on it put a new front sight on it like you know refinish the wood like it's we micro jeweled the bolt um you know we it's a color case hardened one from henry so there's all sorts of stuff you can do with these guns but they're real easy to break um they're not ars parts don't just fall together the barrels themselves need to be timed when you put them in like there, there's just a lot that goes into them, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. Um, you know, that's that's kind of why so few people do it.
0: Um, so, did you did you notice like a, a big massive spike after uh, after Chris Costa got his hands on on the rework lever gun and and I like you said oh, he dude. did a video on it and, and everything. So, is that is yeah. that kind of what you did to his gun? Is that what became sort of the the pre-packed
1: yeah thank you because i went off on a tangent i completely forgot where we started (laughs) yeah so back to chris yeah that's exactly what happened um you know my wait time of like because i wasn't nobody really knew about what we were doing right we were still just a cerakote shop um and suddenly it was like okay well i had to kind of make a decision of where i wanted to focus the business and when i had lever guns flooding through the doors it was like all right i've I had some, some very patient customers who waited over a year and a half for me to get their guns done after that initial rush. Um, that was a lot that I just wasn't prepared for at the time. You know, we've, we've since scaled up <laughs> and learned. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, Chris Costa's video for "The Thumper," that, that put this style of rifle in the forefront where it had never been before you know do you
0: know what was the uh you might not know this if if it came from if the request kind of kind of came roundabout through Troy but uh what was the impetus for for Chris wanting to do lever gun stuff do you know was it he just kind of rotating through platforms or had do you know if he no. had maybe seen your work previously and and wanted to do some hands-on stuff with it do you do you know how that came about
1: um it was from what i remember it was basically troy really troy had a good relationship with with chris and said hey you should check this out and so i had done that gun for troy and he said this is cool you should look at this you should have one and so chris tried it out and then you know we've done a few guns now for chris um over the past few years so he he is very much into the lever guns but yeah we we just keep chugging along man there's there's a lot of people that are into lever guns now that we never thought would be me included.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's well, it's I, I think it's definitely a, a blossoming uh, market segment for sure. So uh, uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, you mentioned before people you know getting bored of of AR stuff, and and that's I think that's an absolutely fair point to make. They're just everywhere. Everybody's got a couple. I think at this yeah. point, after all the the panic buys and the close calls and then everything else that this industry has been through in the last, however many years. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think that you still have some holdouts. So you, let's, let's talk about that. Right. So in a, in a world of kind of now, essentially infinite custom AR-15s, and I would argue now even kind of AKs are going into that category as well. Uh, mm-hmm. What are, what are some specific strengths and, and benefits to running a the, the quote unquote tactical lever gun? uh that you know are maybe unique to those or at least put it on par with an AR or maybe better than an AR in some circumstances?
1: So you know that that's an interesting question um because I wouldn't say that they're better than an AR for a lot of things they're just not not to me um you know the loading sequence is challenging the manual of arms is different um I think what they do well is they take big bullets and they shoot them. (laughs) That's really it. Like they, and that, and also one of the things we've done a lot of is putting suppressors on guns, right? Um, And that's one of the things where, like, you know, you want to talk about the market changing. You know, uh, when Henry years ago introduced the Model X series, they teased it at Shot Show, if you remember that. And it had the Midwest Industries handguard and had a threaded barrel, and people were like, Oh, I want this, right? Um, well, and then they they made it, but it took a long time to get out and they made it different. Um, but the threaded barrels, like that's a big deal. Like we just talked about, threading a barrel on an, on a lever gun's hard. <laughs> it takes a lot of work, a lot of money. Pretty much every Ruger made Marlin that's going to come out is going to have a threaded barrel. Now. So they're paying attention to that because if you don't like having a threaded barrel, leave the thread protector on, right? Like it it literally it gives you options, right? Like this one here is the new uh Ruger made uh Marlin trapper. Uh, I mean I put the new hoptic uh, what's he called the the Lasai, there we go. The Lasai handguard on there. Um but other than that, this is a stock gun. I haven't done anything to it yet. Um you know a 16 inch barreled gun that's already threaded like this is kind of where I'm going with the thumper. So if somebody wants that and they're like, hey, I don't want to spend thousands of dollars with you know Steve at Madpick, that's fine, right? I've had people ask me about that in the past. Like, hey, are you worried about them coming out with things like the X or the Dark Series or now this? Like, don't you feel like that's going to cut into your business? I don't really care. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't. I think it's a great thing. You know, these are fun guns, right? They're just a lot of fun to shoot and they're different, right? I've got a bunch of different ARs and all sorts of stuff here. And you know what? A lot of other people do. So if it gets them shooting something different, cool. If they want to put a muzzle brake on there, which I highly recommend, they can do that. If they want to put a suppressor on there, like look at the suppressor companies, right? They're paying attention to. Used to be the only options out there were Thunderbeast and then Silencer Co. with the Omega... Um, the Omega hybrid 46. Well, now you've got the Silencer Co 46M. You have the Dead Air Primal. I think Griffin makes one too. Like there's, there's a bunch of different options out there because it used to be like, no one cared about suppressing a 45.7. Well, now there's clearly a market for it. Right. So I think everything is changing in that regard. I think that people are waking up and seeing that shooting suppressed is always going to be almost always going to be more fun. Granted, I get a lot of people that say like, hey, I, you know, I like shooting 4570 for the big boom it makes. Like, cool. <laughs> I will tell you that I got over that very quickly, especially after we designed our, uh, our new muzzle brake and I had to proof it and test it and you know, shooting a few hundred rounds of full power, like, on the hot end, 4570 in an afternoon, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> it's just not.
0: <laughs> it's like, I Should find be. it's like, it's, that's like shooting a 50. You know, everybody wants to shoot a 50, and some guys do yeah. it, and, and they get hooked, and guys go out and buy them, and they shoot them on the regular. Uh, most of the folks I know, get are really excited about shooting a 50 cal, and then they shoot it, like, once or twice, and they're like, all right i'm good like i experienced that that was cool but yeah. you know maybe not like a daily driver
1: exactly i think that's a good way to put it like for me like 4570s are fun they're not my they're not my daily driver you know there's uh there's a lot of cartridges out there for the uh for the lever gun world and you've got options you know um but i think based off what i'm seeing like it's still people buying brand new guns. Like every day, like I have messages. (laughs) Where do I get one of these? Like, I have large companies call me saying like, hey, like we wanna do a custom run of guns. Oh, cool, all right, let's talk about that. I'm like, but my first question to you is always gonna be, do you have a source for those guns? And (laughs) typically the answer is them sheepishly saying like, I thought you might be the source for that gun. I dude I wish I was like I'm not um you know I wait like everybody else you know but um right now that's the biggest problem is trying to find the guns you know and I know you know like I said I work closely with with Henry and with Marlon and they're they're trying <laughs> they really are they're doing their best it's a tough market for anybody right now in the workforce and I will say that um Ruger, and under Ruger's management, like, they retain some of the best people from Marlin, um, and they're doing some really cool stuff, you know, I've gotten some phone calls from them asking about, like, you know, kind of the path forward on certain things, just kind of picking my brain, like, what do I see, Um, and, you know, the questions they ask make sense, and I'm glad that they're asking them, you know, like, thread pitches and things like that, like, not to say that they're going to do what I say, because Steve from Mad Pig said so. Like, no, I'm, I'm not that vain. Um, but they're asking. You know what I mean? Like, they're not just like, oh, we're just going to push forward and then whatever, like Remington did. Remington did some stuff that just not great. So um, the quality on them has improved far and away over what I've seen over the Remington ones. There was a period of time, like we talked about earlier, um, like kind of the ebbs and flows towards the end of the Remington Marlin era. I had to put out notices to people that like, listen, I have to check and make sure that your gun even works because I'd get a lot of people that would buy a gun off gun broker. Like it'd come right from, the, from an FFL and go directly to me. They'd never even see the gun, right? Until I was done with it. I'd have to check and make sure a brand new out-of-the-box gun worked because typically it wouldn't. Which was shocking and really disappointing, you know. Um, so, they're they've remedied a lot of those problems. I don't cut myself on the damn guns anymore, which is nice. <laughs> drove me nuts.
0: <laughs> Progress is good. I I do wanna I do wanna raise one point though in terms of of you know benefits and strengths, uh you know of of tactical lever guns, for a lack of a better term, and that is yeah. folks who are in banned states and who are in jurisdictions yes. where their ars wind up being neutered through everything from barrel length to muzzle threading to fin grips and by the time you start complying with everything what you're left with is you know kind of barely an ar uh or if you're traveling you know i know for a long time for me I, my lever gun was that was my trunk gun if i was going on road trips and i was going to be passing through kind of multiple states and if i wasn't sure what the what the laws were or i i did know what the laws were and they were not friendly to, to things like ars and ak's uh you know a lever gun is i I don't think that there's anywhere where a lever gun is is falls under any kind of bam uh at all it's a safe bet yeah typically all those bans kind of start with if your rifle is semi-automatic and has mm-hmm. any number of these features uh and then you just kind of short circuit that by saying well my gun's a lever action it's not semi-auto so none of that crap applies to me um so no, that, I, I would argue true. in that case in that case it's probably yeah. uh, a, a smart choice and and maybe does offer the advantage of now you can have some of those force multipliers and some of those accessories yeah. uh on things that you know on, on a on a platform that is not going to run you a foul because you happen to stop for gas in the wrong, on the wrong exit you
1: know? You know, and that's a good point. And so that reminds me of one customer I had who I I loved his story. Is he was a uh, he was a bush pilot, and he operated out of Northern California, and he needed it for bears. <laughs> and his problem was uh, that a lot of his customers, like he's like I tried keeping like an AR in there, um, I think it was like a four fifty Bushmaster or something like that, but. He's like, I tried keeping an AR in there, but I would have some of these people that would kind of freak out when they'd see an AR. And he's like, it just wasn't good for business. And um, you know, people can say what they want about politics and that kind of stuff. But from his business perspective, it just didn't make sense. So he sent me out a gun because he's like, your gun is perfect for what I do. I need something small handy that I can make quick follow-up shots I'm like well that's what it's designed for he's like I throw it in the back of my plane and we're good and nobody thinks twice when they see a lever gun like that even if it's got an M-lock handguard and a flashlight on it um so yeah I get a lot of guns from California um I live in Connecticut I work in Connecticut so obviously that's you know the funny thing about it though is I have not I haven't seen that. I just haven't. Um, it's it's an option, but what I think is, especially being from one of those states, there's other ways like the, in Connecticut, for example, the other firearm, um, you know, I expected that to be kind of an uptick. And I think what kind of hurt that really bad is when a lot of these assault weapons bans went in that took away some of those options, you couldn't find a lever gun <laughs> it's like now you just can't find the damn thing um so it's it plays a part for sure but i don't know how i don't know i don't know how big it is um i do a lot of guns for people out in cali uh and new york but it's because they want one not because they need one if that makes sense it does
0: yeah i, I get that and I, you know uh, like you said, who knows how big a role that plays? But yeah. uh, you know, for the sake of discussion, it, it certainly is an option. Like I said, oh, it's yeah. an option I've used. Uh, you know, when I know I've been taking road trips to certain areas or traveling to certain areas, I I know that I'm, if I pack my lever gun, I'm, I'm going to be safe legally
1: speaking in terms of what I can have and yeah. what I can. I mean, the other thing too is like I'm very much a boutique shop, and I know that right. So we are a niche shop. So somebody who just needs a gun for home defense well, they might be perfectly content having just a, a stock Marlin 336 versus, you know, a thumper that's going to cost them a lot of money. Like I, and I get that. So I think that also plays a role, you know, from, with what I see. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I mean, that makes sense. You, uh, you mentioned before, you, we talked about caliber options. So uh, I'm actually curious about what you've got to say about this. You, you mentioned that there's lots of caliber options. I've actually kind of, I've, my experience, I, I didn't, I would not have said that. Uh, you know, I, I think that in terms of what's, what's popular and what's recognizable, uh, mm-hmm. you can pretty much, you know, you can break it down. You've got rim fire lever guns, which I actually want to talk about in a second, but aside from those, you've got 4570, you've got 3030, and then you've got the, the pistol calibers 37, uh, 357 and 44 uh, type lever guns. So at, out of, those plus whatever calibers might be popular that that i'm not tracking or that i'm not thinking of off the top of my head two questions one which one's your favorite and two what do you
1: see most often so um i'll answer your questions first my my personal favorite is uh 357 38 special because i mean they're just so much damn fun like it's the closest thing you get to hollywood quiet like I just have a blast shooting them suppressed. I really, really enjoy it. We make an SBR version of the uh, Marlin 1894 or Henry X, where we tuck a a Silencer Co. Osprey into the handguard. We're actually working right now on, finally getting around to this, on a uh, a Henry Mare's leg, right? So, I keep hoping that Henry's gonna come out with an ex mares leg one day, and I hope they do. But we're working on something with this for a customer. I mean, they're just so much fun. Uh, you throw a suppressor on the end of it, and it's just oh, it's just a riot. Um, that and you can shoot it all day. Like <laughs> again, my I might be jaded from some of the test firing I've done over the years. Um, forty five seventy. Uh, To answer your second question, is most popular, by far. I get 4570s more than I get anything else, and I think that's part of the allure of the lever gun. Is people want that big bore bullet, right? Like, like we work with Defiant Munitions, and they make this solid copper bullet. Like, look, that's ridiculous. (laughs) That's insane how big that bullet is. Um, And uh, I mean, there's something fun and something to be said about just shooting big bullets. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of people really like. So, the majority of the guns that come in are 4570, and then after that would be 357. A third would be 3030s. We don't get a ton of them. There was that period of time, like I said, where we did get a lot. Um, and then uh, after that is the smattering of like other random wildcat lever gun calibers that have existed over the years. Like, yesterday, I've been fighting this one gun, it is a Marlin in 444 and man that's just like the customer sent it and he was like hey my this was my uncle's and it's missing parts I have no idea if it works don't know if it's ever worked I would contend that it never worked um because it is somebody built it not well um and it was missing parts but it took months to get this thing to finally work so he'll be getting that back soon Thank God. Um, and as much fun as shooting 4570 is at an indoor range test fire, shooting 444 is so much more fun. Um, uh, 450 Marlin, we do a bunch of those just because it's more, more common. Um, 35 Remington, that's another one. Um, and one of the things that we get asked about is doing caliber conversions. Um, we don't right now, I want to. Um, Maybe not like some of the short throw pistol calibers, um, but I would love to do some four fifty bushmaster lever guns. Um, and i'm I'm in the process of working on that. So um, I mean, those are themselves built off of thirty five Remington actions. So I'm working on it. I'm just trying to find a barrel manufacturer right now. So we're uh, that's something that I hope to see in the future. I know in certain states, where they're only allowed to shoot with like straight walled cart or they can't shoot with straight walled cartridges or some they can michigan talking about michigan i forget what their law is but 450 Bushmaster is really popular there um i get a lot of guys from michigan asking me about that and i want one just because i want one <laughs> i think i think
0: ohio is another one i think you can only uh you can only you can only hunt with straight walled cartridges yeah uh, if if my memory serves so yeah there's there's definitely some kind of odd some odd stuff around that where I, again 450s of you know I could see where that would certainly be popular so you brought yeah. up the mayor's leg you beat me to the punch on that one because I was going to ask if you'd ever gotten the mayor's leg in uh but the other one that I'm the first one. <laughs> one yeah really I'm actually that that part is surprising I really thought would have thought that you you know would have started getting those in a couple of years ago but uh, my other yeah. question is going back to rimfire. Have you done, have you done a rimfire package for anybody yet?
1: So we have sort of, um, so I'm going to preface this with a rimfire. People think of, people like to lump lever guns all together, and they're not the same. Um, no more than an AR is the same as an AK. They're completely different guns. Uh, they might work in a similar way, but like, a a Galil is not the same as an AK, right? The parts don't interchange. The, like, they're just, these are two different guns. Um, well, I get a lot of people that ask me about doing Rossi's, Winchester's, things like that. Um, and I my answer is no, I don't do them. Uh, the reason is, one, I don't like how they dump their guts out when you cycle the action. Not a fan. Um, and I also don't like that they ha- they top eject. That's just me personally. I'm not a fan of that. Um, but the other thing is that, as we've said a couple of times, I've got like three or four jobs. <laughs> so I have to try to make business decisions based off the amount of time that I can dedicate to things that decision was marlins and henrys henrys are different guns than marlins henry they operate on the same principle but they're different internally like the the loading system is different like even on the side loading gates so i stock parts for both um i know both of them inside and out very well and i'm sticking to those the reason i say that when you bring up rim fires cuz the same is true rim fires I've built Rimfire Henrys. They're cool little guns. Um, And and like the Marlin 39A, super cool. Uh, Also super expensive. I don't see people sending me those to start chopping up anytime soon. Not in the current market, at least. Um, But uh, I mean, if somebody did, I'd probably do it. It'd make the internet angry, which is always fun. But uh, yeah, the, the Rimfires are, they're their own thing. Um, we are working on some. I've done them for, for some friends and for Silencer Co. and other stuff. But typically, we're just threading them. There's only so much you can do with them. Um, there's also limited aftermarket support. Um, so, I'd imagine a lot, of, a lot of like the,
0: a lot of the stuff that's out there for the larger lever guns
1: might not fit. No, because they're completely different guns. Like everything about them is different. So, I mean, even different calibers of Henrys that look like they're the same platform are not. So certain parts won't fit on another. Um, you know, there's my parts box for XS sights. Like I've the XS sights for the just the optic rail, right? The lever rail from XS is different for an 1895 and 4570 than it is for a 336 and 3030 than it is for a 44 magnum or an 1894 like they're completely different they're different contours they're different lengths the dovetails are different places like it's one of those things that like it sounds like it's an easy thing like oh well if it works on one lever if you work on them all like they're different guns you know so uh that's the very long answer to yeah kind of not really threading them is one of the the tough things about threading a um a lever action 22, though, is the magazine tube because they load through the tube out the front end. It's not like they have a side loading gate. So when you hang a can on the end of it, right, it presents a problem. So like this, for example, right? The Henrys still use on their center fire guns the loading tube. Well, how am I going to have a can on the end of it especially on the rimfire guns they're much closer to the muzzle there's just not enough room to clear so in order to do that you need to machine your own dovetail hanger sometimes it depends sometimes you can get away with it where there's enough wiggle room where it'll you can kind of depress it enough but that that's kind of the long-winded answer to that i really want to do i will say this i want to do a rimfire SBR kind of like a copy of uh what we do for our center fire sbrs and like i've been bugging silencer co for years now to see if they can dig up a uh the osprey mini and they finally found one i'm pretty sure this thing is a lot heavier than when it was made um because it's beat to shit but they they did hook me up with that and i just got that a few weeks ago so now i gotta get a rimfire henry and uh start trying to figure out how i'm gonna make like an sbr.
0: Yeah, you. The Osprey was the first thing I thought of uh, because of the shape of that can. It's probably about the only thing out there that would alleviate that the front loading issue for sure.
1: Um, Oh yeah, the front loading thing's still going to be an issue, (laughs) but it'll look cool, I guess. I don't know. Hopefully, less so.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, okay. So, you know, we talked a lot about kind of what's out there right now. Do you think? that we have hit the apex of the evolution of the tactical lever gun or do you think that you might have some insight about stuff that's coming that you may or may not be able to talk about but uh you know do you think we've pushed the platform about as far as it can go or is there more stuff coming in terms no, of modifications I, I, and updates
1: and and customizing and things like that No I don't think so um I mean there's I think it's just getting started to be honest you know we were i I won't say we were the first to do pretty much anything we weren't um you know but i think we've certainly become one of the best known for it um and now like you know i'm cruising instagram and i people tag other people people tag me in guns that i didn't build (laughs) um and i'm like well yep you are making a gun that looks exactly like mine cool right then there's plenty of people that are going to do that so i think what the challenge is, is that definitely shows there's a market for it. Um there's definitely a demand for it. And just from like the new parts that are coming out, right? Like, so like you talked about the the hoptic you know, the lasai handguard, right? This is, I think, available for pre-order now. This is one of the first ones that he sent me for TNE. Um so you you will have this option now, right? This is a much more slim, right? It, it's not boxy. It it's just a more. It's very comfortable. It's a great handguard.
0: Is, um, is that 4570 only, or is there a you know if there's a 3030 version of that coming? Uh,
1: that is going to be available for all of them. Oh, okay. Right? He has a he has a very ingenious way that he made it so that you can have it fit um, all those different models, including Henry's. Um, so that's one option you got right. Then you've got the the original Marlin. Handguard from Midwest Industries, right? We call this the V1 thumper, which is essentially the Costa thumper. Um, This one's dressed up a little different, right? We've made a few changes over the years. Now we use my own proprietary muzzle brake. Um, You know, the chisel stock is an option now. Like these chisel stocks are really popular and they're really cool, and I really like them. I think they do their job and they do them really well. Um, You know, that's an option. You've got Midwest Industries came out with I don't have one here built up um but they've got this full length this is an extended sight system um which is just really smart because one of the problems I've always found with lever guns is the guys that want to use them at night which a lot of people scoff at but those people don't realize how big that market is um, um night vision And shooting at night has become much more common than it ever was. Uh, I think we both know that. And they want to shoot at night or something. They need to be able to put down a a boar that's charging at them down in Arkansas uh, to protect their group and do it quickly. Well, you know, shooting one of these, that helps. The problem was... That you had to set your up with the solution to that um and it might sound kind of like a midwest commercial but but i really like what they did i'm the first to tell you it's not for everybody um it does put more weight out front if you're not going to use it that way then maybe the v1 that we build is better for you than the v2 that has the full length rail um their site system on there is uh, Sonic and supersonic ammo in different calibers West. There's other companies, um, right? So their new modular handguard. So you have all these different companies coming out with new products that are, I mean, I think if the market was gonna go soft on it, so I, So I know that you know, the manufacturers themselves are working on stuff. And I, I can't wait to see what they come out with.
0: Once again, I'm your host, Tom Marshall. This has been Recoil Live presented by FN. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.